All the blessings from heaven, the Father above has lovingly showered on me. I feel overwhelmed and so undeserving to think of His goodness and wonderful mercy. My heart fills with praise and I can't help but joyfully sing. It's not that this road has always been easy, but He's been faithful and He'll never leave me. I find sweet peace and assurance within His Word. 
My cup's overflowing. I'm living in favor. Abundant provision from the hand of the Savior. I lift my voice and forever I'll praise His name. Look at the heavens and all your handiwork. I say, how excellent is your name in all the earth. I see what you created way back there at the first and say, how excellent is your name in all the of your mercy revealed to sinful man I say how excellent is your name in all the earth I wonder what would cause you to put us in your plan I say how excellent is your name in all the earth. When I survey my blessings, the strength of all my days, I say, how excellent is your name in all the earth. I give you all my worship. I give you all my praise, I say, how excellent is your name in all the earth.
you would with me to the Old Testament, 1 Samuel chapter number 17. I'm not going to tarry long. I don't think I'll be real long this morning, and I may be tonight. Don't let that deter you from coming back tonight, but uh, I don't feel like I'm going to be very long this morning. But I do have a thought that I want to share with you from the page of Scripture, 1 Samuel 17. In the Old Testament, I would remind you that, uh, of course, the rest of the month we don't have any children's church uh, through the month of July. And also, um, on Wednesday nights, our classes in the back. Now, the teens will still, uh, Brother Brandon will still be preaching them outside of this week. But uh, our classes in the back, they will, we will giving our teachers the month off. So uh, uh, certainly they have worked hard through the year. And uh, so through this month, the next couple, so about, I think about three weeks, uh, through July, we won't have any of the classes in the back. All the kids will be out here uh, if they're not of the age to be with Brother Brandon. So just keep that in mind. And again, appreciate all of our workers and all our helpers. You know, it takes a lot of people. It takes a lot of people uh, to make things go around here. And I appreciate those that work behind the scenes. And if I started naming names, I'd leave somebody out. And I cer- certainly don't want to do that. But there's a great work and atmosphere, of course, still uh, thankful for Vacation Bible School. We had over 70 volunteers and helpers every night. And that's a blessing. It really is. And there's a lot of folks struggle, a lot of churches struggle to find help to help during Vacation Bible School. So I want to commend you, Faith, for your faithfulness and your help. And just stepping up to the plate when, when it's needed. And so I certainly appreciate that. And I know the Lord does. But here this morning, 1 Samuel chapter number 17 is uh, where we're going to be looking. Now, last week or so, um, we've looked at the life of David. And I give you a shotgun uh, basically outline last Sunday night. And that's what we're going to be preaching on unless the Lord centers us to another direction, one of these services. But we've looked at the life of David. And the life of David can be broken down in the Scriptures pretty much in three ways. You can look at his adolescent years, you can look at his adult years, and then what I label his ancient years, or right before he uh, went to be with the Lord. And we think about these things. We're still on the adolescent years. I guess on Wednesday night we dealt with that first part. When you think about his adolescent years as a young person, listen, our kids are going to camp this week, and man, I'm thankful for our youth, thankful for our youth program. And if you will listen this week as you go down to the Lord, will change your life and you'll come back different than you came if you'll listen God's got something for you but a lot of folks feel like well I'm too young to serve God well listen David was a young man in his adolescent years God used him mightily and he can use young people and there's folks that's also said well preacher I'm just too old for God to use me well that's a lie out of hell listen that's what the devil wants you to think but if you're breathing God can still use you and he wants and he desires to use every one of us we think about his adolescent years, we looked on Wednesday night, that he, he was watching. What was he watching? He was watching as a shepherd tending his daddy's sheep there on the hillside. Of course, we've we seen that first anointing that he received privately in the house of his father Jesse in 1 Samuel chapter number 16, anointed him to be king over Israel. And it's interesting, you go back and you study the comparison between Saul, the first king of Israel, and David. And of course, Saul was man's choice, and David was God's choice. You look at the comparison. When God came to call Saul, in 1 Samuel chapter number 10 and verse number 22, the Bible said there in that text that Saul was hiding among the stuff. Well, why was he hiding among the stuff? He was trying to avoid responsibility. But when God called David in 1 Samuel chapter number 16, David was busy on the hillside tending his father's sheep. We looked on Wednesday night. God is in the habit of calling busy and faithful people. And certainly you look at the life of Moses and and Elijah. And, and on down the line, Peter and James and John, we look at those examples on Wednesday night. God calls folks that are busy, and certainly he called David, and the Bible likens David unto a man after God's own heart. And God used him mightily. Now, according to the Scripture, 1 Samuel chapter 9, in verse number 2, we know that Saul stood shoulders above the rest of all the men of Israel. That's important. I, I never really thought about that until today. And, or the last couple of days I saw this, I've looked at this text, and we're going to be in a familiar passage that you've seen many, many times, and maybe you've seen it, and that's wonderful. I, I just hope it'll, it'll refresh your mind if you have. I hope it'll be a blessing to you. But think about Saul standing head and shoulders over everybody else in Israel. But Brother Harold, he offered David his armor. Now, if David was a little bitty wimpy kid, he'd have never done that. I'm of the belief that David must have been close to the size of Saul. I believe that. He put it on 
And David is saying to go. In other words, he said, man, I ain't proved this stuff. I'm not going with this stuff, but I'm going to stick with what works. This morning, 1 Samuel chapter number seven, or chapter 17, I'm just going to read a couple verses. This particular time, the, the battle is, is, is Goliath has presented himself for 40 days, begging somebody to come down and face him and battle him. Saul and all of Israel are afraid to go down and face this giant of a man by the name of Goliath. We've heard this account probably since we were children. Even the secular world don't know a whole lot about God, but most of them are familiar about David and Goliath. We, we think about the underdog situation. Even the secular world understands this text but notice in 1 Samuel 17 and in verse number 38 the Bible said and Saul armed David with his armor again I'm of the belief and of the opinion never really thought about that but if he was just a little bitty fellow brother Danny I don't believe he'd offered him his armor he'd got somebody else but David must have been almost about the same stature, the same height. And here he put all this on, the Word of God said, and saw armed David with his armor, and he put a helmet of brass upon his head. Also he armed him with a coat of mail. And David girded his sword upon his armor, and he essayed to go. In other words, he refused to go that way, for he had not proved it. And David said unto Saul, I cannot go with these, for I have not proved them. And David put them off. And what he put off? He put off the armor. He put off the sword. He put off the helmet of brass. He put off all of that armor. What in the world did he use? The Bible tells us in verse 40. And he took his staff in his hand. And by the way, verse 40 is a preacher's dream. When it comes to the study of homiletics about, about putting a certain outline together, there's five things that David used, and they all started with S. I mean, it's, it's a divine outline. Notice the five things that he used here. First of all, there's a staff, and he took his staff in his hand and chose him five smooth stones out of the brook and put them in a shepherd's bag, which he had even in a script, and his sling was in his hand, and he drew near to the Philistine. Five things that David used. He used a staff. He used stones. He used a shepherd's bag. He used a script. And he used a sling. If you'd have looked at him from a military standpoint as he faced off this giant of a man, almost 10 feet tall, Brother Kevin, the world and the secular system would have said, man, David ain't got a chance. But in reality, we look at this, Goliath didn't stand a chance against David because David had something that Saul didn't have, that all of Israel didn't have, that Goliath sure didn't have. He had the touch of God. He had the presence of God. He had the anointing of God. He had the feeling of the Holy Ghost as he guy as he faced this giant in life and he came back victorious man I thought when they started singing that first song I'm on the winning side I ain't talked to daddy and daddy ain't talked to me but David was on the winning side he had already won the battle before he ever got down there because he had prepared his heart to face the giant on that day and he used and he stuck with what works. And today, you and I need to stick with some things that will still work today. Let's pray. Father, as a bow God in your presence, Lord, we love you. Thank you, Lord, that we are on the winning side with our personal relationship with the Lord Jesus. The Father, I ask today, you'd help this feeble preacher now to decrease that Jesus may be increased and lifted up. Lord, I confess publicly, I am nothing. I'm a big fat zero. But Lord, you are everything. I pray that you'd speak to somebody that walked in here struggling. Somebody walked in here discouraged. Somebody walked in here dragging their head spiritually. But God, I pray that they wouldn't leave in that condition. I pray God you'd give them help from another world. Help this feeble preacher now to decrease that Jesus may be increased and lifted up. There's one walked in here near hell today that's never been saved never been born again. God may today be that happy hour that they turn from their sin to the Savior. I pray that you do the preaching. Pray that all the will of God be done today. I pray for conviction to fall upon this place. We'll be careful to give you thanks. Give you praise for all you do. We ask these things in Jesus' name and all God's people said. Amen. We've read this text, familiar text, that all of us have probably been well aware of, even as a young person, maybe in Sunday school class, maybe in vacation Bible school, but there's still some principles that we can learn with the life of David. When you think about him in his adolescent years, yeah, the first point we looked again on Wednesday night, his adolescent years were spent watching. Watching what, preacher? He was watching over the flocks of his father, Jesse. You'll see that in chapter number 16 when Jesse, some 
summon him from the field. And there Samuel anointed him again. He was busy, but he spent his adolescent years, his young years, watching and tending over the sheep. A lot of folks believe, and even a lot of commentaries. You read 1 Samuel chapter number 16. If you follow them, they'll say that David was insignificant. That's why David wouldn't summon to the feast. I beg to disagree, man. He was significant. And his father had entrusted him with those sheep because he knew that he could take care of it. In the previous verses that we didn't even read, right here from about verse number 34 down to verse number 37, David begins to explain unto Saul that as, as he was watching over his father's sheep, a lion came and a bear came. And the Bible said that he caught them by the chin. He didn't go after their tail. He went right from their head and he slew the lion and he slew the bear. In verse number 37, David wouldn't boast it in himself. He put all the glory and all the honor went to the Lord. David told Saul, man, it wasn't me, but it was the God that was with me that allowed me to face a lion and a bear. And listen, think about Goliath. He's down there. David looks down. He's looked back in his life how God's protected him, how God's helped him, how supernaturally he has come on the scene. And, and surely that lion and that bear should have destroyed David. But David had God on his side. And as he looked at Goliath, everybody saw a problem. David didn't see a problem at all. Not at all. Because when you think about this, Israel and even Saul, man, they were walking by sight. They were looking, they were, they were walking by sight what was visible. But David was walking by faith. What couldn't be seen, he was looking at the invisible. I've sung that song uh, through the years, the unseen hand. Thank God there is an unseen hand that will help us in this walk of life. When it seems like the walls are caving in around you, when it feels like you're going under, man, I'm glad there's some help from another world, and God will give you the strength that you need to overcome whatever you're facing today. If it's according to the will of God, doesn't matter if it's financial, doesn't matter if it's relational, doesn't matter if it's a physical issue, whatever it may be. I'm telling you, there's a God in heaven that is still able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can even ask or think. So you may have come in here today. You say, preacher, i got a smile on my face. i got the bed, my Sunday best on, but I'm struggling. Hey, you can still get help today because God wants to speak to somebody's heart. David got help. The same help is available to this preacher. It's available to you. It's available to whosoever will this morning. But I want you to think about this. David is walking by faith. Now, stay with me. If you don't get nothing else, you better get this statement that God put on my heart. David is walking by faith. David is stepping out by faith. He's getting ready to go down, and he's going to face that giant. Saul's put this armor on him. But David says, you know what? I, I hadn't proved these things. I know what will work. I'm going down there with what I know will get the job done. He was walking by faith, took a step out by faith. But think about this. If you ever make a step of faith, they'll always, get it now, don't miss this, there'll always be somebody standing in the shadow and in the corner right there ready, willing, and able to discourage you, to criticize you, and to even give you bad advice. <laughs> Sometimes it'll come from your own house. Amen. What are you talking about, preacher? You go back to 1 Samuel chapter number 17. David comes out with some cheeses. He's on an order from his father to go down and check and see how the battle's going. And he brings these cheeses unto his brothers. Oh, Eliab, he scolded him, Brother Harold. Basically, what are you doing down here? You do, I know the naughtiness of your heart, David. You come down here to see the battle. And David said, is there not a cause? The cause was he came down to, to bring that cheese. And that's where he saw that giant. So Eliab is, is criticizing him. Eliab is, 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 is certainly, uh, he, he don't think that uh, basically what he's doing, he's trying to discourage him. And then Saul, think about it now. Can you go back to 1 Samuel 9 and verse number 2? The Bible said that Saul was shoulders above everybody else in Israel. Yet he was afraid to face Goliath, but there he was ready to tell David, man, you're not able to go. You're but a youth. That's what he told him. You're too young, basically. David, you can't go. Saul wasn't willing to go himself, but he was willing to give advice. <laughs> Bad advice, by the way. Understand, Saul is a picture of the world. 
He's a picture of carnality. He's a picture of flesh. He's a picture of the world. The world said, you cannot do this. But David stepped out by faith. Again, Saul and Israel were were looking at what they saw with those physical eyes. They saw what was visible. Oh, but David, he was looking. He he saw what was invisible. He knew that the hand of the Lord, the same one that helped him with that lion and that bear could give him the victory over this giant that had defied the armies of God for 40 days and 40 nights. And here he is, he's walking by faith. Here's the key. When we walk by faith, regardless of what we're facing, you can walk by sight or you can walk by faith. Now, the Bible tells us we're to walk by faith and not by sight. You'll find that. I believe it's 2 Corinthians 5, verse number 7. So, so we're not to walk by what we see. We're supposed to walk by faith as we trust in the Lord. And here's the key to that. When we walk by faith, we put God in the equation of whatever we're dealing with. And the results will be changed. (laughs) Everybody all right? Everybody with me this morning? Ain't nobody dead on me yet. Don't fall asleep on me just yet. But think about this. When we we walk by faith, we add God to the equation. And thank God He can change things. It's more than a cliche. I'm telling you, through the page of Scripture, there's been personal things that I can tell you. There's folks sitting in this church right now that can give their testimony about how they trusted God when it seemed like the walls were against Him, when they were about to go under, and they trusted God. They added God to the equation, and the situation changed. God can still do that today. But I want you to notice that God doesn't always use what, what we what we think is best. Amen. Again, if you'd have looked at David, you'd have said, well, man, that, that's, that's political. Or, or, or that's suicide. He's going to commit suicide. He's going to take that armor off. He should have had armor. He should have had all this stuff, but he didn't do that. He chose something totally different. Now, think about this again, Saul. When you think about typology in the Bible, Saul is a type of the flesh, the world, and even the devil that will pull against him. He gave bad advice unto David. But did you know that, that Saul offered him three things? And I think the world does the same thing to you and I, even as believers. We look at verse number 38. Notice what the Bible said. And Saul armed David with his armor, and he put a helmet of brass upon his head. Also he armed him with a coat of mail. Now, he offered him several things. We see in verse 39 that uh, he, he girded that sword upon his armor in the first part, verse number 39. Saul gave him advice. He offered him something strong, or that appeared strong. What was strong? That was the armor. He offered him something shiny. Oh, yeah, it was polished up, that helmet of brass. Oh, yeah, it was shiny. Then he offered him that sword that would have been sharp. You know, the world will offer you some things that may appear strong, that may appear to shine and glisten and all that. Maybe even something that appears sharp. It'll lead you into defeat. Amen. It sure will. And that's what Saul offered David. And boy, there's a lot of things that he'll offer us. But notice the, the choice of David in verse number 39. David girded his sword upon his armor, and he essayed to go, for he had not proved it. And David said unto Saul, I cannot go with these. Cannot go with what? With that armor. That thing that appeared to be strong. With that shiny piece, that helmet of brass, with that sword that was sharp. He said, I can't go with these things, for I have not proved them. And David put them off him. So here's David. He's walking by faith. They put this armor on, and he's getting ready to face the the giant. And David said, I ain't proved that stuff, but I'll tell you what I'm going to do. Five things, five things I'm going to use. He took the staff in his hand. He took five smooth stones. He used the shepherd's bag. The Bible said even a script. And then he took that sling down to the battlefield. And I just want to focus on one of those. And it's the second one in the order. Those five smooth stones. Now, if the Lord will help us, we'll be back tonight. And, and I encourage you to come back because I believe it will help somebody tonight as well. But these five smooth stones that David used. You say, well, man, that's foolish. Why is he going to take these stones to face this giant? He should have a sword. He should have a bow and arrow. He should have a spear. May I remind you that the Bible says this in 1 Corinthians chapter number 1 and verse number 27. 
But God had chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God had chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. And base things of the world and things which are despised hath God chosen, yea, and things which are not to bring to naught things that are. Well, why is that? Why does God choose the weak things and, and things like that? He tells us, verse 29, that no flesh should glory in his presence. If David went down there with a sword and, and man, he fought, everybody said, man, boy, what, look, at, look at what a mighty soldier he is. And yes, in his adolescent years, he was warring as a soldier, but he depended upon God. He used that little stone, and that's what sunk deep into the forehead of, of Goliath. And man, God even changed the laws of motion. When that thing hit him in the head, he should have went back. But no, I believe the unseen hand had the hand in the back of his head because the Bible said he fell forward flat on his face. You read the scripture. That's what the Bible says. I'm telling you, God uh, used the, the weak things and, and the things that were un... Listen, he used things that, that seemed to be natural. He made them uh, supernatural. Things that, that were common. He made them uncommon. Thank God he was able to do that in the life of David. Can I tell you this? The Bible said in the book of Isaiah that God's arm hadn't been shortened that it cannot save. We live in the church age today, and too many Christians, again, we walk around with a poochy lip syndrome. We got our lip pooched out, and we think that God has lost his power. Friend, God hadn't lost his power at all. He's still willing. He's still able. He's still able to supply that need of the air for you and I, whatever we're facing. And sometimes God uses the weak things to confound the things that are Mighty. I think about this as I read on uh, in, in the gospel. Well, certainly in 2 Corinthians chapter number 4, you know what Paul used? 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 1. Therefore, seeing we have this ministry as we have received mercy, we faint not. We have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. Paul was simply made a willing vessel unto the Lord. David was a willing vessel unto the Lord. And he used these five smooth stones. There's three things I want to share about these five smooth stones. And we're going to the house. Can I say first of all that these stones that David had, number one, they were picked. They were picked. You say, hey, no, look with me in verse 40. The Bible said, and he, and that's David, took his staff in his hand and chose him five smooth stones out of the brook. Did you get that? They were hand-picked. He chose them. That word chose has to give the idea of thinking about it. Reasoning. So there he goes down to the brook. And I, and I can imagine this, brother. Danny. A lot of times I look at the scripture, I try to visualize as David goes down to that brook. He sees these stones laying around. No doubt they were numerous, brother Kevin. And hand-picked, he didn't just pick up one, he picked up five. And he picked them up carefully. Carefully. What's that got to do with me, preacher? You better pick and you better choose the things you, that, that you use. You better make sure that you choose wisely. The things you use in life. Amen. The world's going to tell you how to do some things. They're going to offer you something strong that appears strong. They're going to offer you something that's going to shine. It's going to catch your eye. They're going to offer you something that appears to be sharp. But in the end, it ain't going to get the job done. You better use what God wants us to use. And David picked these. He chose them, the Bible says. He hand-picked them down by the rook. So we know that he picked these stones. They were chosen. And we better pick carefully how we, how we battle. You know... There, there are spiritual battles that we're going to face, spiritual battles that every one of us is going to face. You might be doing okay right now, but you let the, you let the, the time permit and the Lord tarries His coming. You live long enough, there's going to be another battle right on the horizon. You better pick carefully how you fight that battle. David picked, hand-picked carefully these five stones. Not only were they picked, but they were prepared. They were prepared, Brother Harold, long before David ever got down to that brook. How you know? How you know they was prepared? Because the Bible didn't say there's rough stones, did it? Mm -mm. Didn't say there's rough stones. 
didn't say it, they were abrasive stones. The Bible said they were smooth stones. Now, this is something I can, I, can, I can certainly sympathize with and I understand a lot about. Growing up there on the banks of the Yadkin River down there, uh, down below Mom and Daddy's house is a creek that goes in. And, man, there's rocks everywhere. A lot of times we'd wade out there and fish, but while you could still catch those little bullheads, we'd go down there and set baskets. And all around there, there's rocks and there's stones. A lot of times, many of you ladies that can, uh, I guess when Granny had that crop, me and Mama was talking about those old-fashioned pickles that Granny uh, used to. And Brother Wayne, you'll remember this too, that big old jar that sat on the wood cook stove in the summertime. There'd be a grape leaf in there, and that, that, that whole pickle jar would be just about white with salt. You told me that? Well, that was, a, that was an edible heart attack right there, I'm just telling you. And, uh, man, it was. But it was almost milky looking, but on top of that leaf, there was a big old flat rock. And that old rock, I, I don't remember it being, it wasn't rough. It wasn't abrasive. It was smooth. I mean, smooth as a baby's butt. It, it was. You could run your head across with no bumps at all. We didn't get like that overnight, Brother Randy. Those stones and those rocks were in a creek somewhere. They were in a river somewhere. And after years and years and years of that water running over that stone, those stones were smooth. What David used wasn't something that just popped up overnight. What's that got to do with me today? Listen, a lot of folks say, well, the preacher can't get through one service without saying something negative. And I, I guess here it comes. But the world will offer us some stuff and say, oh, you've you got you to find new methods to reach people. Baloney. Who told us that? Wasn't the Lord. <laughs> yeah, man, thank God for the Word of God. Old-fashioned worship, it'll still work. It didn't just pop up overnight. Some of this new age stuff, man, I, I don't get it. I don't understand it. That new cart religion, you remember that new cart that they put, that, that they put the ark on? Man, you, you read the Word of God. You see what it got them. Thank God for the old path that God said in Jeremiah chapter number 6. Seek ye out the old path and walk therein, and you shall find rest for your souls. If you need some rest today, you don't need to be seeking for some a new age movement or new age idea. Thank God you need to seek out the old path, something that was proven, something that's real. Something that'll give you help from another world. And here was these stones that were prepared. They didn't get like that overnight. But years and years and years, God had prepared what David would use to face that battle and to face that giant. So these stones were picked. Stay with me now. They were picked. The Bible said he chose five smooth stones. He reasoned. He thought about it. He hand-selected those five and put them in that bag. So we know he picked them. These stones were prepared because the Bible said they were smooth. But notice where he got them. Didn't say he got them out of the mud hole, did it? Didn't say he got them out of the pasture where all the sheep and the cattle had been tromping around and all that filth. No, sir, and no, ma'am. He got them out of the brook. You see, these stones were picked. They were prepared, but they were pure. <laughs> pure stones. They wasn't filthy. Hey, man, what's that got to do with me? We don't need to fight our battles with filthiness. That's what the devil uses, by the way. We ought to fight our battles with purity and with holiness. And that don't make us a mat, by the way, for everybody to step on us. Hey, man, <laughs> that ain't what I'm talking about. Well, the preacher just said we just got to let people run up. Oh, no, there's battles to fight. We can still do it with purity and we can still do it with holiness as we, as we look at the Word of God and the principles that God has laid before us. But we don't need to fight those battles with uncleanness and, and, and with unrighteousness. We ought to fight pure. And David picked these stones. He reasoned. He thought about it. They were prepared. They were smooth. They didn't get that way overnight. God had prepared something for him to use, and he does the same thing for you and I, but he fought with purity. He didn't go out to a mud hole and pick those up. They were in the brook. They were pure, and that's how God gave him the battle. And I understand as he went down, he was full of the Holy Spirit. God used him. And if you ever talk about a stone that was guided by the Holy Ghost, that was that little, that little stone that David slung. And you better keep this in mind. I may say more about this tonight, but you'll never slay it until you sling it. You'll never slay it until you sling it. What's that got to do with me, preacher? Too many times, we, even as believers, we live a defeated life because we ain't slinging it. 
God gives us the ammunition. It's through purity too. It's not through uncleanness. Not through deceitfulness, not through cunning words or, or craftiness. Even the Apostle Paul said this in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse number 3. For our exhortation was not of deceit, nor of uncleanness, nor in guile. But as we were allowed of God to be put in trust with the gospel, even so we speak, not as pleasing men, but God which tryeth our hearts. For neither at any time use we flattering words, as you know, nor a cloak of covetousness. God is Witness. Paul said, man, we didn't use guile, we didn't use uncleanness, we didn't use deceit. He fought the battles with purity. But understand, there's giants that face us, there's walls that come against us, there's floods that come up against us. And you and I will never slay that giant in our life until we sling what God has given to you and I. These three stones, Sister Savannah's coming. I think about David. I told you I wasn't going to be long. But I did tell you I may be longer tonight, so I'll give you forewarning. But you think about this. Message that I, I don't know everybody's situation. I, I do. Being a pastor, I know some folks' situations, but I don't know everybody's situation. I don't know what you come in here with. You know, we may put the smile on. You may put your Sunday best on. You smile, and everybody says, man, everything's all right with him. Everything's all right with her. But deep down inside, there's a battle you're facing. There's a wall that's closing in on you. There's a flood that's about to overcome you. There's a giant that you're facing. And listen, God gives us the tools necessary to face the giants of life look at Saul and all of Israel they were looking at what they could see physically what was visible they were walking by sight old David came along and nobody else in all of Israel but David as a young man as a teenager probably about 17 years old listen to me young person God wants to use you and he can use you he used David. Everybody else was afraid. They're walking by, by sight. But David comes on the scene and he don't look at what he sees. He looks at what he can't see. <laughs> he sees the unseen hand. That same one, Brother Randy, that helped him when he faced that bar. The same God that helped him that, when he faced that line. He knows it's the same God. That he's not going to go down our defenses. He's not going to go down there by himself. He's going down there with the touch of God on his life. But God give him something to work with. He give him something to pick and to reason to choose those five stones. He handpicked them, put them in his pocket. He used something that was prepared, not overnight, because that water in that brook had, over time, had smoothed those stones. Boy, it made it more aerodynamic as it went flying through the air. And God changed the laws of motion again. Goliath didn't fall back, he fell forward. Again, I believe the big old hand of God. I believe when that stone hit, I believe God just pushed him right on. That's Brian's theologist. You take it as a grain of salt. But I think about him picking. I think about his preparedness. But I think about the purity. Too many times we fight with uncleanness. We don't need to do that. We don't need to fight with guile or, or deception. You know what we fight our battles with? Thank God for the Word of God that we have. That, that'll help us. But you don't have to go through life defeated. Amen. As God's people, God tells 1 John chapter 1, verse number 4, These words have I written unto you that your joy may be full. God wants our joy to be full. He does. But you've got to be able to fight the battles that God's given. But you'll never slay what you're facing until you sling what God has given to you. These three stones that God used. God sent me by to remind somebody that God wants to use you, number one. God wants to help you today if you're struggling. But you've got to come to Him. David relied on the Lord. When they seen that, God gave glory unto the Lord. They didn't give all the glory unto David. Now, David was an instrument that God used, but God got the glory for the battle. we got way too many people wanting to, wanting to absorb all the glory. Man, it ain't about us. It ain't about me. It's about the Lord Jesus. But the Lord wants to help you today. Are you struggling in the area? Say, preacher, nobody understands. Maybe you've been given bad advice. <laughs> maybe you've been criticized. Maybe you want to step out by faith, but man, maybe even in your own house or those closest to you, they criticize you, they discourage you, and maybe even give you bad advice like Saul did. Hey, listen, folks, I'm telling you, God will be faithful. You step out by faith. Somebody might be here today, maybe you've never been saved. Listen, the Bible said you're a sinner. I'm not preaching down to you, but that's what the Bible said. All of sin comes short of the glory of God. You know what it's going to take for you to get saved? You're going to have to take a step of faith. 
Some might be there to criticize you. They'll say, well, you can't live it. Well, they're right. You can't live it. But I'm telling you this, when you come to Christ, He gets inside of you. Thank God you don't have to worry about living it. He'll live it through you. But you got to come by faith. Ephesians 2, verse 3, For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves it is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. God wants to save you if you're not saved. But you know what it's going to take? It's going to take you believing God, trusting God. You say, preacher, I'm overwhelmed. I, I got this situation. I don't know what to do. Well, I may not have the answer. But you might have to step out by faith and say, God, I, I'm going to trust you in this situation. Somebody, It won't be very, very long. Somebody will be there to criticize you. Somebody will be there to discourage you. Amen. Sure will. But you bring it to the Lord, whatever you're facing today. God is able. The Bible said this, and I close. We stand all over the house. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse number 7 said, Casting all you care upon him, for he careth for you. I want you to know that God loves you. I feel like I need to say this. Somebody probably feels like that nobody loves them, nobody cares for them, but God does. He does care about you. Preacher, why am I in this situation? I don't know exactly why you're in that situation, but I know this. God can help you in the situation. He may not remove it, but I promise you this. He will give you the grace that is sufficient enough to make it through whatever you're facing today as we bow all over the house. Let's pray. Father, I love you. I thank you, Lord, for the opportunity, Lord, to share your word. Lord, I've done my very best. Lord, deliver the message of the hour. I pray that we take the principles of David. Lord, these little stones that he used. Lord, he picked them. They were prepared. God, you prepared long in advance. They didn't pop up overnight. And Lord, we see that they were pure. And God, that's what you used with the touch on his life to conquer the giants. And Lord, he had to sling it before he could slay it. Father, would you help somebody that walked in here today struggling? I have no idea who it is. It may just have been for me today, Lord. But I pray, God, you'd meet every need in this auditorium. If there's one that's lost, God, help them to step out by faith. Lord, I know there'll be somebody there to criticize, somebody there to discourage but oh God, I pray that you give them the faith enough to step out and to trust you and to depend on you for whatever they're facing. Somebody's overwhelmed Lord. Somebody's just about to go under Lord and God, they don't have to live that way. They don't have to live a defeated life. They can trust you. I pray that you'd help them today. Meet every need. We'll give you thanks. We'll give you praise for we ask it in Jesus' name. Hello, friends. This is Brian Pondexter, the pastor of Faith Community Baptist Church, located at 2216 Hennings Road in East Bend, North Carolina. We're so grateful to have you listening to our CD ministry that's been provided as an outreach of our church. It's our desire and focus at Faith Community Baptist Church to preach and teach the whole counsel of God to a lost and dying world, to equip the saints of God for service, and to encourage the elderly and shut-ins who cannot attend services due to physical ailments. We meet every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. for Sunday school for all ages, and our Sunday school hour is followed by our worship service at 11 a.m. with old-fashioned singing and preaching from the Word of God. We meet back every Sunday night at 6 p.m. for our worship service. And every second Sunday night of each month, we have what's called an eat and meet service. After our 6 p.m. service, we gather in the fellowship hall for food and fellowship. On Wednesdays, we meet back at the church for our midweek worship service with choir singing and preaching again from God's holy word. Our ladies prepare a meal each Wednesday prior to our service from 5.30 p.m. to 6.30 p.m. I give you and your family a cordial invitation to be with us at any or all of our service times. Above all, you may be listening today, and maybe you've never made a personal commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ. Friend, that's the greatest decision anyone can ever make in this life. Too many folks prepare for vacation. They prepare for retirement. They seem to prepare for everything, but sad to say, many make no preparations for eternity. The reality is very clear. We all will leave this world someday. For the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 27, And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment. You must understand that you are guilty before a holy God. Romans 3.23 said, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The prophet Isaiah said in chapter 53 and verse 6, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. You must understand that your good words and good works and good deeds will not get you to heaven. Isaiah 64 and verse 6 says, But we are all as an unclean thing, and all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags, and we all do fade as a leaf, and our iniquities, like the wind, have taken us away. Ephesians chapter 2, the Bible said, Therefore by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves it is the gift of God. 
must understand that you're loved. I'm thankful that in John 3 and verse 16, it said, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Romans 5 and verse 8 declares, But God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You must understand and realize there's only one way to stand right before God. There's not many ways, there's only one. Jesus said in John 14 and verse number 6, He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Acts chapter 4 and verse 12, the apostles' message was very simple. There in Acts chapter 4 and verse number 12, they said, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there's none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. You might ask the question, Preacher, how can I be saved? That's what the Philippian jailer asked in Acts chapter 16, verse 30 and 31. He asked Paul and Silas, he said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved in thy house. Romans 10, 9 said that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. You must ask God to save you. I can't do it. No one can do it for you. Romans 10, 13 said, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you know you're a sinner, and if you're sorry for your sin, and you believe Jesus died for your sins, you simply have to ask him to save you. You might say, Preacher, how can I know for sure God will hear me? But first of all, the Bible tells us that we must be drawn. John 6 and verse 44, Jesus said, No man can come to me except the Father which had sent me. Draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. Psalm 51 and verse 17 gives us the attitude we need to have when we come to God. It said there, The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. O God, thou wilt not despise. If God draws you by conviction, if you're sorry for your sin, you repent of them, you believe Jesus died for your sins and if you asked him to save you then the Bible declares you've been saved if you trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior then you've been forgiven of all your sin Romans 8 1 declares there is therefore now no condemnation of them which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit once a person has been saved they need to be a part of a fundamental Bible believing church where they can grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ God calls us out of darkness and commands us to walk in light after we've been saved by His marvelous grace. If we can help you here at Faith Community Baptist Church in any way, feel free to contact us. If you have asked God to save you, please contact us, and we will send you some free literature to help you in your newfound life in Christ. Thank you again for listening to our CD ministry that's been provided by our church here, and may God richly bless you and your family is our prayer.